Welcome everyone. God bless you guys. It's great to have you all once again uh, join with us for prayer. <coughs> Amen. Um, before we get into prayer, I, I wanna I wanna go into something very briefly. I hope to only take a short period of time. Um, and welcome for those of you who just joined. <clears throat> Again, it's it's a blessing to have you all. Uh, there's nothing um, to me more enjoyable than to get into the presence of the Lord, and it only is um, only blesses us further to be able to join corporately with the rest of the people of God. Um, how many of you know? And I, I've said this a number of times. <clears throat> Um, prayer is, is something that we, it isn't something that we merely do individually. Amen. It's something that we do corporately. Um, and corporate prayer is, it's not a suggestion. Corporate prayer is a command. Amen. So, um, this should go without saying, but a command <laughs> is a command and a command is you're under obligation to do what the bible commands it's it's not again it's not a suggestion it's not a recommendation and it's not simply because it's beneficial for you but it's because god tells us to do to do that um you know one of the things that we must understand is that our identity is is an individual identity in one sense. What I mean by that is to say that you're a child of God, you have an identity in Christ, but what you must also understand is that you have an, a collective identity. What I mean by that is <clears throat> the Bible, Paul says to the Christian church, he said the Corinthian church, he says, ye are the temple. Um, now, if you happen to read King James Version, uh, the King James Version has a, an advantage or a benefit that, say, the modern translations do not have. And the benefit is this, is that whenever it uses the word ye, ye, he's referring there to a third person plural. That is to say, he's referring to all of the audience. Whereas when it's just you, he's referring to someone individually. Um, so does that make sense? So he says, ye together are the temple of God. And so in other words, that that is third person plural. That means he's referring to everybody. Everyone is included within this. So when he says that you are the temple, that means that, that this, this identity, this temple is a temple that is only comprised or made up as a collective body. Uh, Peter says that you are a living stone. Now, when he says you are a living stone, he says that individually. You're a living stone. I'm a living stone. She's a living stone. But together, you all are the temple. Do you see? So, one living stone is not enough to make up the temple. So when I say that we have a collective identity, uh, what I mean that by that is that what is an identity? It's the way that you identify somebody. 
right? So that group over there might be the synagogue of Satan. They're children of the devil, right? But we together are God's precious, holy temple of God, right? So um, now, being that we have a collective identity, and God sees us as such, that means that God addresses us as such. Now, if God addresses us, then that means he addresses us collectively, not just on an individual basis. So now if he addresses us collectively, that means that we must assemble collectively. You know, one of the things that we must understand is that, you know, let me read real quickly here in Revelation. <coughs> and, uh, Look, look at what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church. Now, mind you, it's not an actual angelic being when he says angel. It's the Greek word angelos, and it can be translated messenger or angel. Now, ultimately, what determines, because the word angelos is vague. We don't, there's two possible ways that we can translate this. Angel <clears throat> or messenger. Now, to be sure, all angelic beings are messengers. Right? Whenever that term angel is used in the scriptures, you find that that angel, that angelic being, is delivering a message. But not all messengers are angelic beings. And it be, can be translated messenger. So, when we read that to the angel of the church, we, we have to understand that there were messengers to the churches. Right, so why was this? Because John was on the island of Patmos. So how in the world was he, he to, uh, you know, uh, uh, deliver this? He was in exile. We learned this in, in church history. He was in exile in the island. Well, in the text itself says he was on the island of Patmos. But how is he going to go from the island of Patmos to Sardis, to Ephesus? So there were angels, there were messengers of the church. And they would read the letters to the church. This is why also Paul, he says, have also this letter, he wrote to the church at Colossae, he says, have also this letter read at the church of Laodicea. So, but nevertheless, he says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven lamp, golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those that claim that you have uh, you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. <clears throat> so the point that I'm making is that they didn't say, "Let me just go read my Bible." It's just me and Jesus. You know, oh, I think uh, uh, I'm gonna just read my Bible. That's that's how you know I have my relationship with. I'm not saying don't read your Bible, but the point, in fact, is this is that these people didn't even have a Bible, so what did they do? In fact, the, process, the, the, the Bible was still being written during this time. The New Testament was still being written. So for, the, for those, and, and not only that, that didn't even guarantee that every single church had one of Paul's letters, even though it was already written. It had taken some time to spread. It wasn't like, 
I can share an Instagram reel to you clear across the world in a matter of seconds. There was horseback, there were donkeys, they had, you know, not everybody had access to papyrus and, and ink. And, and, and so, in fact, many of the early manuscripts, did you know that they didn't even have spaces nor grammar? And all of the Greek letters were capitalized because papyrus was so scarce and not everybody had it. They, they had to use that material and, and they wanted to conserve that material. And in order to conserve it, they would have to eliminate all spaces. The, so there wasn't like in the a space, the space, beginning space. It was in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So th it was just a continual. And so that, that of course made it difficult for, you know, to read. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying all letters were like that, but if you look at many of the early ancient manuscripts that date as far back as the f latter end of the first century and beginning of the second century, you'll see that manuscripts were written that way. Now, this sort of history might bore you, but the point that I'm trying to make is that this was still in, in, in pro the, the letters were still being written. And so people couldn't just go and read their Bible. Now, even as far as the Old Testament was concerned, not everybody had access to uh, uh, the Greek Septuagint. The Greek Septuagint was a translation of the Hebrew scriptures from Hebrew into Greek. Um, but that aside, the point I'm trying to make, ultimately, is that there is a collective identity and 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 the 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 spirit spoke unto the church the testimony of jesus christ as the bible says is a spirit of prophecy and this revelation was given to john <coughs> to then give to the angels of the church the messengers of the church to communicate to the church now if you notice not every message to the church was the same do you see that uh, and what was said to the church of Ephesus was not said to the church of Smyrna. What church? What was said to the church of Smyrna was not written to the church of Thyatira. What was said to the church of Thyatira was not written to the church of Philadelphia. You see? So there was a unique and distinct message for each and every church. Right? And so and we as a collective body, there's something that God, the Holy Ghost, wants to say to all of us. And so that you cannot get from merely reading your Bible what you get collectively. Do you see that? And I know people have a problem with that. But but it, but I don't know what else to say. You know, Moses, he, he didn't, you know, when when God had a revelation for Moses, he spoke it to Moses to tell all the people of Israel on the mount right how come you know what i mean so the the point is that god led all of the israelites right he does things by groups and so um <clears throat> now with that said um I, I was intending on speaking about something else but i i think that this is an important point to sit on for a minute um i want us to turn to acts um when the church is making prayer for Peter, it's Acts chapter 12. 
Now, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Check this out. <clears throat> it says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death uh, with the sword. When he saw that this, that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So here you have a wicked tyrant namely Herod, who is persecuting the church of God and who wants to stomp them out. And, um, you know, they, he sees that uh, it pleased the Jews that he killed James. So he's like, okay, I'm going to come after Peter too. You know, Herod obviously was a people pleaser. You know, it's the same spirit of Ahab, the same spirit of Jezebel, trying to kill the prophets of the Lord through, mess, uh, through uh, kings, through uh, these tyrants, through these dictators. Say the same spirit that was uh, 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 in Jezebel is amongst us today. You know, because in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, he says to one of the churches, he says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Okay, but Jezebel was lived in the days of the kings that predated Jesus by far. So why, okay... Why did he say that woman Jezebel? It's because there's a spirit of Jezebel that's within both men and women. Okay? And there's a spirit of Ahab. Right? But, you know, yeah, so guys like Kim Jong-un and, uh, you know, the the president or whatever, the prime minister or dictator of, of China as well. You know, by the way, if you haven't already known, uh, and I shared this in the chat, but that Kim Jong-un guy, um, he, the, the, the state religion is a, a worship of him. I don't know if you knew that. There, there, is a, there is a statue erected. They have their own Bible that they've revived. That's why the Bible is banned, because they basically replicated the, the Bible in order to promote worship of, of him. And the people have to worship him. And if you don't worship him, you'll die. Y'all hear? So, and so, little kids, as young as three years old, are being locked up in concentration camps. Why? Because their parents have a Bible. So when I, when I pray against that fat panda... You, you want to know, that's why. Because he's doing wicked things like that and he's wreaking havoc upon the church of God. No regard for kids. Right? Three years old because your parents had a Bible because you want people to worship you that bad? It's sickening. It's horrible. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. I, if that doesn't cause your blood to boil, you need to get saved. Because what if the tables were turned? Right? What if the tables were turned 
and, and, and we were the ones subject to that. And no, nobody around the world lifted up a prayer for you. And, and you know how insulting, I, I believe it is, how insulting. If I'm there, my family is there in the concentration camps, and they're just saying, oh, Jesus, bless Kim Jong-un. Bless him. No. What about us? You get what I'm saying? It, it's like, it's, is it not an insulting thing if someone murdered your family and, 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 and then there's so-called Christians picketing outside of the, the court saying, uh, uh, no justice for the murderer. Have mercy on him. And the whole family's in the courtroom crying because this murderer uh, slaughtered and raped a number of your family members. And children included. And then there's so-called believers outside picketing saying, uh, 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 mercy for him, no justice. That's in effect what we're saying when we're saying when we're, we, 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 we want to argue against people that are praying for, for justice upon King Jong-un. Do you see that? What, why does it apply for God but, but not in the natural? Because the same people in the natural, when someone's murdered, they'll say, we want justice. We want justice for, for the raping of, of uh, or for this. We want justice for that. Oh, but we don't want justice when it comes to God then. Why, why is it that? Why is it when it comes to earthly judges, we seek for justice, but when it comes to the heavenly judge, we don't seek for justice? Do you see what I'm saying? It's You know why? Because we believe the traditions of man. We believe the hippie Jesus that doesn't advocate for that. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that mercy shall be shown to those who are merciful. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Why did God slaughter certain why did God slaughter the Amorites in the Old Testament without mercy? Ah, because they were sacrificing children and passing their children through the fire. They're persecuting the prophets of God. Hey, God got conditions for, for, for when he has mercy upon someone. Do you understand that? God doesn't have unconditional mercy. I don't know where we get this stuff that people say God's love is unconditional. No, it's not. For people who say that, I, I, and I, I said it before when I didn't know, but that's not true. God's love is not unconditional. Why does it say in Jude chapter 1 verse 20? It says, uh, Beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Why did Jesus say, Abide in my love? You can, about, you can abide outside of his love. It's just the logic. Why did it say, why did why does it say in Proverbs as well as Psalms that God hates the hands of those that shed innocent blood? Do you think the Bible is saying something for it to mean the opposite of what it's actually saying? No, it means what it means that God hates the hands of those that sheds innocent blood. So God hates the hands of Kim Jong Un. Does that rub us wrong that God detests him? 
It does it doesn't rub me wrong. Right? What do you think God is pinching his cheeks? Oh, you're such a cute little Kim Jong-un. Right? Is that our vision of Jesus? Come on now. The problem is that we don't know God. I'm saying largely as 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 a body of Christ, we don't know God. And and the parts that we should know about God, those parts of God offend us. <coughs> oh. Now if we're a believer, no doubt God loves us enormously. God loves us enormously. But we have to remember that God is love, but love is not God. And today in the Christian church, because we've been more influenced by hippieism and LGBT and stuff like that, we think love is God. And we worship love. See, the worship songs today, we're not even worshiping Jesus in all these Bethel songs, in all these Hillsong songs, in all these Elevation Church songs. You know what we're worshiping? We're worshiping worship. That's what we worship. We worship the sensual sort of, oh, you know, Jesus, oh my, you know, it's like a romance thing. We're worshiping worship. We don't think for a minute that we need to get outside of ourselves and begin to magnify the one who is great. Have you noticed that? The, these trendy, you know, Gen Z songs, and I don't mean to bag on Gen Z, but the unfortunate thing is it's all about self. It's about, and, and it's masqueraded as worship. Come on, somebody. No, worship is about magnifying God, not magnifying our problems. That's why I don't like a lot of the the so-called worship today, because it it seems like they complain about how bad their problems. Oh, Jesus, just another day. If I can make it through another. And, And it's like, no, what Jesus are you serving? I'm not being insensitive to the problems, but man, God is above your problems, man. Come on, somebody. If we don't begin to speak this language, that's not faith. That is not faith. No, I serve a great God. I serve a mighty God. I serve a deliverer. I serve a shield. I serve a buckler. I serve one who is the who, who, who whose word is like a two-edged sword. I serve the one who made an open shame to principalities. That's the God whom I serve. He is a forgiver. He is a deliverer. He is a strong tower. He is a bridge over troubled waters. He is the lifter up of my head. He's my advocate. He's my counselor. Amen. <clears throat> so, I, I know that I, I revisit these topics sometimes, but there's a reason for it. <clears throat> is because our thinking needs to be corrected. Our thinking needs to be corrected, and we need to fully embrace this. It doesn't mean that we walk around with a chip on our shoulder, you know, looking to get violent with people, or you know, or or we're delighted to see the death of the wicked. We we don't. That's not our first go-to. We would love for people to come to salvation. We would love for mercy to be. 
uh, 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 magnified. We would love to see people receive the mercies of God, but the, the reality is this, that people do not. And for those who do not, they will perish. And that's what Jesus' message was. He said, repent or perish. You have an option. The fact that I'm even saying, I'm proclaiming this to you is indicative of that God is offering to you his mercies. And this is why Paul says, uh, uh, on the unacceptable year, have I heard thee? He says, therefore receive not the grace of God in vain. And what did Paul says? He says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Goodness to you who persist in faith, severity to those who do not. Do you see that? God is not schizophrenic. You know who? The church is schizophrenic. They think that God has somehow changed from the Old to New Testament. Like we're serving two gods. They may not say it verbally, but subconsciously they believe Jesus is a little more merciful than Yahweh. As if Jesus ain't Yahweh. No, God in the Old Testament was no less nor no more merciful than he is today. So what changed? Us who can't accept the truth. You gotta think about that. <clears throat> so let, let me try to stay to this text. I'll, I'll be coming to a close here. <clears throat> it says, After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Amen? So what was the church doing? Was the church twiddling their thumbs? Were they even out protesting? You know, with picket signs? <laughs> Apostles' lives matter? <laughs> with the fists up and stuff like that? Were they doing that? <laughs> <laughs> oh come on somebody I hope this doesn't offend you <laughs> no you know what they were doing they, they, they were legislating laws in the spirit realm they were giving themselves a legislation in the spirit realm because although Herod had executive power on earth in his own tribunal, there's a great king, the only true potentate, who has executive power over the earth. And they were making petition to that king. Petition is a legal term, you know that? So when they were offering, they were submitting their petitions to the great potentate, the only true emperor. The only invisible and wise God, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. God was executing his will. And we'll see that it was two-faceted. Let, let us continue to read. <clears throat> but I, what I mean by two-faceted, that it not only made for Peter's deliverance, but also made for Herod's death. But the, the point, though, that I'm trying to make is that they were gathering corporately. And what were, what were they doing? 
you know, the King James Version, you're correct to say that it says without ceasing, or in the NIV it says earnestly praying. So <clears throat> that goes to show that, uh, uh, that there's something beyond prayer. The Bible is careful to note that they were earnestly praying. Y'all still here? So you know there's prayer and then there's earnest prayer? You want to know the difference? Do you ever earnestly pray for your food? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Especially after a fast, do you earnestly pray for it? Y'all still here? And then you just stay there for an hour. Oh, God, I just want to thank you. I just want you to bless this food. <laughs> do you do that? And everybody around you like, it's getting cold. It's... <laughs> And I just want you to bless the orphans. Uh, uh, and I, oh, by the way, God, I just want you to thank you. Uh, and I pray for my neighbors. Uh, and then they just keep going on. And <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever do that? I want you to refine these calories. I want you to reduce these calories. <laughs> oh, man. So, no, you don't do that. So, earnest prayer was made for Peter who was locked up. So there's difference between prayer and earnest prayer. <coughs> Amen. <clears throat> and and I think one of the biggest problems that we have today is that even in our corporate gatherings people are not earnestly praying. You want to know how I know why? Because it doesn't go beyond 10 minutes. And they're so nonchalant. It's almost like they're talking. And I know I've talked about this before. But there's a difference between. Because see. It's sad that I even have to correct this. But when. So when someone's like. So when you're praying. You're not talking. You're communing with the spirit. Do you understand that? There's a vast difference. You're communing with the Spirit. And, and, and a lot of times, what people have done is they've, they've dumbed down, they've minimized, they've stripped the sacredness of prayer, and they've treated it as it, me just talking to a homeboy. Oh, I'm just talking with my friend. If that's your view of prayer, it's a shallow view. Because you're not, no... We're worshiping a king. Prayer is not disassociated from worship. <clears throat> Amen, somebody? Amen. So th Amen. There, there's a distinction between the, the TED Talk pastor with his latte, right? When he's, when he's seated down and he's checking his Apple Watch and he's, you know, he's flipping his Justin Bieber hair. There's a difference between and them opening up in their <clears throat> TED Talk prayers and, and praying earnestly. See, one of the things I appreciate about the Nigerian church 
And so this is a shout out to, you know, those in Africa here. Uh, they actually know how to pray. And, and, I, and I think it's sad as Americans here in the West is, is we with our snobby noses think that just because we have a bunch of scholars, we have the vast, the scholarship reigns supreme here in America. We have some of the greatest intellectual scholars who know how to, you know, Aramaic, the Hebrew, the Greek. But you know what? We can be greatly blessed by Africa. But so many Western intellectual Americanized Christians are too proud to admit it. Africa, I know that you guys have amazing revivals going on in Africa. And and the West needs to humble themselves to be blessed. And, and we need to be we need to be sent missionaries here in America. From Africa. I, I that's what I believe. That long ago Europe sent uh, uh missionaries there, America sent missionaries there and still are, but we need to be blessed with the spirituality that that is that Africa is graced with. And so, um, we need to learn how to pray. We need to pray earnestly. We need to pray uh, without ceasing. We and we need to pray corporately. And this, this amen, somebody. Amen. Are you guys? Some of you asleep. <coughs> Um, because there are some people that have tapped into realms in God and dimensions in God that others haven't and when someone has we have to acknowledge it that we may be blessed by that grace Amen. You know, I, 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 I've, I've, am immensely grateful that the church I got saved in, they knew how to worship and they knew how to pray. So it was not an uncommon thing that we would be worshiping and praying to God for three hours, not trying to make something longer, but we knew how to, 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 to position ourselves to invoke God in such a way that his presence would rest and, and, and the, the glory would come in such a, a thick way that even the worshipers couldn't worship anymore. The, the, the praise singers and all that, they couldn't play anymore because the glory was so thick. And and so when, when people don't know how to get into that glory, it's a saddening thing to me because I, I'm seeing of all that they're missing out on. Right? The church isn't a classroom. It's for where God's glory is to dwell. His habitation, his holy habitation. But um but look at right here. Um let's look at verse um Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers 
bound with two chains. And sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. <coughs> Doesn't seem like these angels are too nice. <laughs> he struck them on Peter's side. But what what is this showing? It's showing that the prayers of the church is what made for Peter's deliverance. Amen. Do you see that? It's what made for Peter's rescue. <clears throat> Had the church not prayed, Peter would have rotted in that prison cell. We have to understand that, you know, the Bible says the heavens belong unto the Lord, but the earth has he given to the children of men. See, we on earth have uh, uh, the ability through prayer to legislate the will of God. So that if your mouths are kept silent, there are things that will not happen in your life because you do not know how to pray. In fact, let me go so far to say you don't know how to pray earnestly. And so there are things, there are prison cells that you will stay in. There are prison cells other people stay in because you don't know how to get out of your laziness and begin to seek the face of God. Right? You lose your job. What's the first thing you do? Oh, man, I, I, I got to go call so-and-so. See, you, you consult everybody and anybody except the one and only person who can do anything about everything. Right? You, you, you don't consult God. You consult everybody else. You got to consult the Holy One. Right? Prayer is earthly permission for divine intervention. And so God dispatched angels in response to their praying. Do you see that? <clears throat> but we don't believe in angels today. You know what's crazy to me? Is that people who do psychedelics in the world, they believe in angels more than the church does. Because they're seeing a bunch of stuff. You know why? Because they're tapping in the spirit realm through illegal means. Right? But they believe more in, in, in visions than a lot of the Western church does. You know why? Because they're actually sacrificing to obtain those visions. Do you see that? And they're real visions. Do you know that? Those are real visions. It's not just a chemical imbalance or something like that. Surely the natural is compatible with the spiritual, so it affects us materially and naturally, uh, uh, but there's also a spiritual component to it. I remember I told I shared this story before, <clears throat> but when I was out in the world, and, and, and I met with this group of people, and we are about to smoke some, some weed, and then they started praying. They started praying to demons to, you know, they thought they were blessing the drug, but they were cursing the drug, like the, to enhance it even further. Now, this was just weed. It was not laced with anything. And then when we smoked the weed, I started hallucinating. And I, I, I didn't know, I, didn't, I was like, man, these people are weird. 
you know, but I was just there because there was drugs, but I was like, these guys are weird, what, you know, you know, I was just invited here, but they gathered in a circle and everything, they had to sit down, and then, and then they started, you know, praying to demons over it, and, <clears throat> but the point though that I'm making is, there's people that are tapping into the spirit realm, but through illegal means, and yet we 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 as the church we we don't tap into it through legal means, but it's available to us to obtain vision from God, to obtain help from God, to obtain intervention from God. Do you believe that today? Do you still believe in the power of prayer? <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Even for those of us that have gathered, because you might be thinking, well, why would I be here if I didn't? You can be like the one that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's still better than complete unbelief, but we need to grow in faith. We need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Amen. But let me let me close here with this, this last passage. Um, because what ends up happening is Peter ends up knocking on the door. They think it's Peter's angel. Right, they, you know the funny thing is they didn't even believe that it was actually Peter at first. So they were praying for something, and whether they expected that it was going to be much later or they thought it was going to come in a different way, they just had a hard time believing that was actually Peter. But let, let's look at the uh, verse uh, nineteen. Then Herod, uh, wait, I think it's yeah, verse nineteen. Um, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards in order that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to uh, Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him after securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personnel servant, a personal servant of the king. <clears throat> they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the day appointed day uh, on the appointed day Herod wearing his royal robe sat on the his throne and delivered his public address to the people they shouted this the voice of a god not of a man immediately because Herod did not give praise to God an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died but the word of God continued to spread and flourish an angel struck him dead it was the same angel that delivered Peter so the angels that we pray for intervention not only bring us deliverance but bring judgment upon those who persecute. Do you see that? Doesn't it say in Hebrews the angels are the are servants of our flames of fire and are servants of them who will be heirs of salvation? <coughs> Amen. Amen. The rest of you still alive? <clears throat> so, 
I want this to encourage us. Hopefully it hasn't discouraged us, but I hope that we, we are encouraged to come before the Lord and pray and pray corporately. <clears throat> um, so that means let us throw off every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw off every weight that hinders. Distractions. Concerns. You know why? Because when we come to pray, you know the first thing the devil's going to do is going to start throwing in your mind everything that you need to do, you should do, or you haven't done. That's what happens. And then how are, how are you to to enter into the Lord's presence with since you're bogged down by so many worries? See, prayer should be the solution to your worry. And so what the devil does is in order to hinder your prayers, he brings worry. Amen. So, <clears throat> I want us to understand that we are forced to be reckoned with on earth. And what is impossible with man is impossible with God. What does it say in Jeremiah? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for him? Nothing is too hard for God. So let us believe him, right? And let us stop speaking unbelief. Let's stop speaking complaints. Let's stop speaking doubt. And let's start invoking the name of the Lord our God who is mighty to deliver and he's mighty to save. Hallelujah. Our God is a great God and Savior, and He's mighty to save. Look at all throughout the judges. Look at all throughout the kings. Look at all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. And God is in the working business of delivering, of saving, of rescuing, of delivering. And He does it with a full work. He doesn't leave unfinished product. He is not poor at it. He's invincible in battle. And he's still able and he's willing to deliver you out of your plights, out of your situations, out of bondage. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. The Lord heard the groans of the Israelites in the Exodus. And what does the Bible says that he pulled them out with an outstretched arm, with a mighty arm, with mighty signs and wonders and miracles. That's what he did for the Israelites. Now, people say, oh, that was so long ago. But I thought we were built upon better covenant and a better promises. That's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. So why can we not expect the miraculous to be done on our behalf? Why can we not expect for God to do amazing and mighty things? You know why? Because we don't want to give ourselves to mighty prayer. That's why. 
See, God isn't asking that we work more. He's asking that we pray accurately. Doesn't mean be impractical. Doesn't mean don't do anything about it. But here's the thing. You can work 10 times as hard as you are now doing. But if you don't pray, the favor of God won't come upon your life. Because it's not of works. It's all of grace. And prayer is the means and the instrument through which you obtain that grace. But here's the problem. People don't want to wait. They want to hurry up God. They want to rush God. And they say, God, you're taking too long. So I want to fulfill the promise you made to me my own way. And so I'm going to try to bring about all the descendants that are innumerable as the sea on the uh, sand on the seashore. But I'm going to do it through Ishmael and Hagar. I'm not going to wait on you. I'm going to do it through Hagar and Ishmael because you're taking too long for my Isaac. Do you see? <clears throat> Come on, somebody. Don't, don't birth an Ishmael in your life. Because it will plague your future generations. Amen. You believe that?